Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Episode number 103, the Prolific Writer Podcast. Lucas Mangum stopped by the show, a horror writer who talks about reading widely and writing widely and how those things work together. I think you're really going to enjoy the show. But first, some intro music. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is your host, Ryan J. Pelton, and I am so glad that you are here. The podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often, and well, because you have a story to tell. We want you to get that story out into the world. So however you found us, however you're listening to us, if you it is your first time, so glad that you're here. If you're a longtime listener, so glad that you are here. And we have another jammed, packed, awesome interview today with Lucas Mangum. As I said at the top of the show, we have a great conversation about reading widely and why it's important to read hard, detailed, high literature, good literature, and just also reading easy, pulpy, fun stuff and everything in between. And also experimenting and writing in different ways and styles and genres and really pushing yourself. And so I think you're really going to enjoy Lucas's perspective on these things. And so glad that he was able to come by the show today. And we're also gonna talk a little bit about uh, different options for publishing your work, uh, small press, traditional press, indie press, and he has some good insight into the small press world. So uh, stay tuned for that as well. Just a couple little updates before we jump into my chat with Lucas, uh, working on a new series. 
kind of a mystery, a thriller series that has a, a kind of cult edge to it. And so, um, a, a guy, and I won't go into all the details, but a kind of a special tasked, uh, investigator who, uh, goes after cults and, uh, and the, 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 the ways that it's, it destroys communities and things like that. But, uh, it's, it's an interesting, uh, story. And I think you're really going to, uh, enjoy it. And I'm working on that, trying to get that finished up, kind of starting a new series. So I'll let you know when that comes out, still working on the 45 day novel course. It is a work in progress, a WIP. It's a little been a little bit slower, um, but I want it to be the best that it can be. And uh, so be looking for that hopefully by this month, if you're listening to this in May and uh, I will be having signups for that uh, coming very shortly. So keep your eyes out for that. If you're looking for a 40, the 45 day novel course, it's going to be just a, a way, a blueprint that I'll show you how to uh, be prolific and how to write your books, edit your books, market your books, publish your books uh, in 45 days or less uh, ways. I've been able to do that as well. And uh, hopefully it'll serve you in many, many, many ways. So keep your eyes out for that. Uh, nothing else big, just writing the words, doing the thing. I'm so glad uh, you have been listening to the show and all your kind comments. And uh, also let me know uh, if you have some author friends or people you'd like to have on the show, shoot me an email. Um, easy to find. You can check it out on the website, prolificwriter.net. Put that all in the show notes. And uh, yeah, shoot me an email and uh, I will track them down or have them track me down. And I'd love to have them on the show. And, and just thank you everyone that has been doing that because that's been really, really great to meet just there's so many great authors that I don't know about. Obviously I can't stay up on everything. There's too many of them and too many great ones. So if you have an interesting story or just getting started, or you've been writing a long time, uh, let me know. And I'd love to chat with you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Lucas Mangum. Welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is your host Ryan J. Pelton, and I'm so glad today to have Lucas Mangum on the show. And Lucas is a fellow prolific writer. He's also a fellow genre nomad, and he writes in horror and literary and romance. And we're gonna jump in and hear more about his story. So, uh, Lucas, as we begin, tell us something that only your closest friends or family would know about you. Give us like a weird, wild fact about you. Uh, once I got into a car accident with a drunk off-duty cop, and that was pretty crazy. <laughs> okay. Um, he was, uh, he was, uh, he gets out of his vehicle and he's just like, I'm in trouble, man. I've been drinking. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess that, you know, would put you in trouble. He's like, no, you don't know the half of it. I'm a cop. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had a new story. So it all worked out for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, hey, uh, Lucas, thanks for uh, coming on the show and look forward to hearing more about you and your writing and your story and uh, get to know you a little bit better and uh, reached out to me. And one of the things that was interesting about a little bit of your bio kind of looking around is you talked a little bit about writing kind of in these these two different genres of kind of pulp, you know, genre fiction, also kind of elevated fiction. I imagine that you meant kind of literary fiction. Uh, how would how would you kind of talk about the differences of those things for those that are that are kind of listening yeah, kind of more of the mainstream versus kind of literary stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of uh, the more uh, elevated literary stuff, um, although it seems to be changing um, uh, when it comes to elevated horror, you know, it tends to be a little more um, suggestive rather than explicit in the um, in terms of, you know, what it shows you. Um, 
as far as violence or, or, or the, or the, or the horror itself. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, the, the difference between, you know, Rosemary's baby or, and, uh, I don't know, something like Friday the 13th, you know, would be, mm-hmm. would be a good way to distinguish between the two. Um, so genre does tend to be a little, um, more explicit in its approach to, um, to what it's trying to give you. Um, yeah, so, so talk us through that a little bit. So where does that come from from you? I mean, it's obviously something you're trying to do with, with some of your work and, and kind of influences. So what, what has kind of influenced you in, in the past and kind of how you ended up here? Yeah, so I, um, I basically like telling people that, uh, I mean, my, I pull influences from, you know, everywhere from like, you know, Paradise Lost to I Spit on Your Grave. Um, I, just love, uh, I just love stuff that's really grimy and... Um, and I guess extreme would be the word some people use. Um, but I also like stuff that's really, um, you know, uh, written in an elevated style and, um, you know, uh, cares, of, you know, um, a lot about structure and is very meticulous with, um, with the details and how um, the piece is unified and, and stuff like that. And so I just... Um, I don't know. I tend to be really uh, interested in a lot of times trying to combine the two if I can, but if not, I'm, I'm comfortable moving from one to the other, you know, in different pieces. Well, I think that's really interesting because, you know, I, I think as writers too, we're always thinking about, you know, what, what's the, what do readers like or what, where, where are we at in our time and place in history and kind of, you know, with the ebook evolution and, you know, people reading on trains and on their phones and audiobooks and all these things you know, there is a place for that kind of easy entry, straightforward, you know, grimy action adventure story, and then kind of maybe more of that, that book that's a little slower, a little bit more detail, a little bit more work to kind of get through. Like there, I think there is like a space for all those things. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll read something like Cormac McCarthy or Carson McCullers, and then I'll turn around and I'll read, you know, an Ed Lee novel, you know, which is like, you know, white trash Gothic or, you know, <laughs> the pig or something like that. Um, just, uh, I just really like kind of playing, um, as a reader and as a writer, you know, kind of, uh, exploring both of those, um, approaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. McCarthy's an interesting guy. I mean, when you think about kind of both, I mean, he's, you know, very all over the place, but I mean, his, you know, the road versus, you know, um, what would be the other one? Um, one Meridian. Yeah. Very, very different styles. Right. I mean, the road's just kind of straightforward, you yeah. know, action, you know, adventure kind of thing with the sun and no punctuation. And the other one's very, you know, a lot more flowery. And, um, but, I, but I think there's something, something to that too, of, of like, when I think about what you're saying, you know, in our own reading is, you know, even if you're writing in a particular genre, it's, it's also kind of learning from other influences and just seeing how other people write and reading stuff that's like so different than what you typically write. Cause I think that kind of broadens you as a, well, as a person, but also as a, as a writer, as a creator. Um, For sure. That you're not I, always- I think that's what makes that that's what makes you stand out. Right. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I think the reason why Stephen King is so popular is because he, even though he, you know, grew up reading all the pulps and all the, all that kind of, um, you know, the more, uh, you know, uh, lurid kind of uh, horror stuff. He's also a huge fan of, you know, um, some of the more serious highbrow stuff like Updike and and the like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's where like King doesn't get enough due because I, you know, I always say like some of my favorite stuff's not his horror stuff. It's, you know, some of his, you know, Green Mile or, um, you know, some of his short stories like, you know, The Body and, and yeah. the one that's, you know, about Shawshank Redemption, which I forget the title, the actual title, but, 
I mean, that's a, that's amazing literature when you really get into it. I don't know if you ever heard that story about Stephen King. He has this kind of famous story where he's in a, I guess he's in like a grocery store in Florida and some old lady comes up to him and says, you know, Hey, I, I know who you are. You're that, you're that guy who writes all that scary stuff. She's like, I hate that stuff. You know, what I really like is, you know, Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile. <laughs> and he, he goes, I wrote that. And he's like, she's like, no, you didn't. You know? And yeah. You know, I've heard that before. I love right, how right. she leave him. You know, that's, that's great. <laughs> right. Just, just kind of wanders off. Um, yeah. But, but I think that's, you know, as, as storytellers and as writers, I think there is something when you kind of read people too, that maybe they write fiction and nonfiction or they write their nonfiction so different than what they typically write in mm-hmm. fiction. There, there's something about, I think, the person and the way it stretches you, but also just the way they're able to kind of wear those different, different hats as well. Um, so let's dig in a little bit f- uh, further into your work. So one of the things I think I read, uh, you, you have talked about, is you like to have kind of romance elements through your, your stories. Talk, talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So um, my first book, Flesh and Fire, is, um, I mean, I guess it would be a paranormal romance in the sense that it's a love story and there are paranormal elements, but I guess it doesn't, it doesn't fit neatly into the paranormal romance genre. I mean, in a lot of ways, the, the roles are kind of reversed, like the, uh, you know, the, the, um, the supernatural character is the, is the woman and the, uh, you know, the, uh, and the, the normal, the normal character is a, um, is, you know, a man. And so it's got this kind of, um, it's a romantic, you know, you know, a paranormal romance, but there's definitely some role reversal going on. Um, but I do, but I also kind of tried to, um, you know, uh, beef up the horror side of it as well. And I mean, I, and I know there are paranormal romance authors who do that. Like I think Kelly Armstrong does that pretty well. But, um, uh, yeah, that was definitely something I was, I was aiming for, but I do like, um, I mean, I like a good love story. I mean, I don't, um, you know, I've, I've read some good romance novels. I've seen some good, uh, rom-coms, you know? And so I think, uh, a good story is a good story. And, um, if you can combine, um, two stories and create this kind of dual narrative, you can create something really memorable, I think. Yeah, it isn't interesting, you know, how romance, I mean, you think of any genre, any any story, I mean, it's hard to not really write that into your work. Uh, you know, sure. if I, I write some crime thriller stuff and and it's like almost impossible to not have some kind of thread through the story of like a love story, whether it's the main character, you know, uh, kind of falling in love with someone or a past romance or because the relationships are really what life's all about. And yeah, you know, definitely. We, we all you know long for those things. Uh, there's a there's an interesting book out. I think it's called like the bestseller code or something. And it's, it, they kind of did this like scientific research study on, you know, why do certain books sell the way they do? And they, they kind of talked about the different elements that were in there and, and all the things that we think would be, you know, make for a bestseller, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll is really um, ordinary, you know, family life and marriage and work. And, and if you read like a Stephen King novel, he always talks about work and just the everyday yeah. man and the ordinary, but there's something about that. Cause I think we all relate to that. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's a, you know, supernatural or whatever. We still relate to relationships and work and ordinary life and suffering and loss and you know, all yeah. those kinds of, all those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I think it's hard to like not include that, you know, maybe it's not pure romance, but it's always has that kind of element in there. Well, what's interesting is in a lot of writers workshops, they'll like discourage you from, from, you know, wandering or, or staying too long in a character's head or, you know, um, uh, you know, going too deep in a backstory, but, when I think of all the books that I've read and loved, like, I mean, those were my favorite parts of like every book. So it's like, you know, maybe, you know, these, the, you know, maybe the workshop stuff is not necessarily 
always the best advice. Like, right, I mean, right. yeah, <laughs> I'm like, sure you could speak to that. I think you talked about that a little on your, on the episode you did with, um, oh gosh, the, uh, Taco Jehovah guy. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Josh, um, forget his, uh, Josh, uh, forget his last name. Uh, yeah, it, it is, it is interesting because I think that's, you know, there, there's just something about just human nature and, and what, why, why we read stories and why we, you know, when you give that backstory about marriage and loss or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, a relationship, it's like, you know, that's probably shaped them some way, shape or form. I mean, almost everyone's been shaped good or bad from past relationships. Or, Absolutely. You know, whatever. So it's hard to not yeah, include that into, I mean, I just can't get away from it no matter what. It always has to be heartbreak. You know, he got his heart broken. That's why he's a scumbag. And that's why, Definitely. You know, that's why he doesn't trust anyone and has difficulty with relationships and makes a mess of all of them. Um, of course. <laughs> uh, so Lucas, so you have uh, an interesting, you've had kind of an interesting um, publishing journey. And, uh, and one of the things that you mentioned to me was, uh, jumping into small press and kind of your experience with that. And I, I'd love for our, our listeners to hear more a little bit about that because I'm always trying to encourage, you know, our writers that there's not one path, you know, there's, there's indie and there's traditional and there's small press and that's not, and there's, there's pros and cons in all of them. Um, and so I never want to say, you know, it's gotta be only this. Um, obviously, you know, we probably le- lean more towards the indie route just because of for a variety of reasons we won't get into right this second, but, uh, but you've had some experience with small press. And uh, so talk talk a little bit about how that, how that began and and kind of what that's been like for you as a writer. Yeah. So what's, what's interesting about small press, or at least what I find is interesting about it is, um, you know, um, unlike uh, a lot of the big New York stuff, you know, um, each press tends to be pretty specialized. Like, so you can pretty, I'm not going to say easily because, you know, publishing is not easy regardless of how you do it, but um, you can more easily, um, get an idea for what the press is maybe looking for. Um, and, and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a horror guy like me, there's plenty of, (laughs) there's plenty of uh, small press horror, um, out there and you can all, you're, you're, you'd be likely to find somebody who would probably be interested in your stuff if it's, you know, at least, you know, competently written and, um, an interesting kind of way, um, an interesting twist on, you know, something that may otherwise be familiar. Um, but it's it's a good scene. I mean, I think I've made a lot of friends. I feel like uh, if I had gone the uh, you know the the full indie route, I maybe wouldn't have made some of the connections I'd I've made. You know, because I think uh, I don't know. Uh, my uh, my mother in law is an indie author, and she uh, spends a lot of time uh, marketing. Um, you know, and uh, but doesn't really get out much. You know, because she's either writing or marketing, and that can be mm-hmm. that can be hard. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and yeah. Then, talk- you know, Talk yeah. us through that, that that side of your your journey. Um, you know, how's marketing been for you know small press? I mean, how how what do they do? What do you do? I mean, how, how has that been helpful? Um, and you know, not helpful. <laughs> yeah. So, admittedly, they they don't do a whole lot. Um, you know, uh, but they they take a lot of the um, you know, technical work away from you. Like, I mean, I I don't know the first thing about formatting a Kindle or a paperback. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the money to buy a cover, you know, (laughs) but they'll do all those things for you. Um, so it's like, you know, that the, you know, the technical, um, part of it, you know, kind of gets removed. Um, that said, you do usually tend to, um, do a lot of the marketing yourself. I mean, don't get me wrong. They'll like, you know, they'll boost you on social media and they'll like, you know, suggest, you know, podcasts to a guest on and, and the like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean. Uh, from on the marketing side, you do you do end up 
it does end up falling on a lot of your, uh, a lot of it ends up falling on your shoulders. Um, but there's, I mean, there's so many resources out there now. I mean, I, I, uh, like I just found this like really extensive list of, of people who, um, you know, review horror novels. And so it's just like, okay, like I just, you know, hit three to five of these a day with, with, you know, um, with a query and, and, you know, I can maybe get some reviews out there, um, for my stuff. And, and then of course there's the Twitter thing, which it's interesting because, you know, people like to say that they don't, um, want to be constantly marketed to, but the, uh, the tweets that I make where I'm promoting myself get the most engagement. <laughs> so I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think people forget like when you're when you're like, hey, I got this book out and you should check it out. You know, it's not mm -hmm. just like, you know, please, you know, for the love, you know, uh, sure. it doesn't sound desperate. Um, you know, the one thing we think we forget about on the other side of marketing is uh, not everybody is is watching your Twitter feed all day long and right. your Facebook feed all day long. I mean, there's almost an arrogance on our end that we think like, well, I'm the most important person in the universe. And so. Yeah. You know, why aren't you seeing my posts about my books? And the reality is like, oh, hey, like I've had it weeks later. Oh, I didn't know your book came out. And then it's like, I'm going to go buy it. You know, and it's like it just reminded me, like, not everybody's thinking about Ryan all day long. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's probably like four people on the planet that even think about me. And my wife you know, is included some days. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's human nature, right? Like, I don't I can't we can't hold everything in our heads all the time about our kids and our families and our right. responsibilities. Like so you know, a gentle nudge, you know, here and there is not as, it's not as spammy as I think as people, you know, think it is, Sure. Uh, you know, especially with like Facebook, I mean, Facebook, the, the way the algorithms have changed, it's like, you know, half, uh, you know, a fifth of your, um, well, I should say a fifth of your audience or a third of your audience is pr probably not even seeing it, um, yeah. or, or yeah. more. Um, and so it's like, yeah, in our heads, we're going like, Oh, I feel like a sleazeball, you know, I have to talk about uh -huh. this again. But the reality is, you know, people aren't waiting for, you know, Lucas Mangum books to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, finally, here it is. You know, it's like they, they just caught it. So, um, yeah. So I think, I think you're right. I mean, there, there is something about that, like just kind of, and, and you can do it in a nice way. You can do it in sure. a gracious way. It doesn't have to be, you know, every single post. <laughs> have you bought my book yeah. yet? Have you bought my book yet? You know, um, of course. Well, that's good. Um, I, I think another uh, thread uh, with your story that you mentioned is with the marketing is that people don't realize like with small press and traditional press and indie press is everyone has to do their own marketing unless you're yeah. Stephen King. Unless you're James Patterson or Stephen King or Grisham, like you, you're yeah. doing your own marketing. Like that's not a, I think people think it's like this glamorous, like the limo picks me up and takes me to the book signing, and, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, and it puts a hundred thousand dollars behind my book. Um, yeah. That, I mean, Publishers look now at Twitter followers and Facebook followers. Yeah. Do you even see, you know, do you have a, a reach? Do you have an audience? Do you have an email list? All those kinds of things. Um, because, yeah, you have to do a lot of that work yourself. And and, sure. and and the other thing is, like, once it's launched, like, of course, it's not going to be forever. So, yeah, you have to keep kind of saying, hey, that thing came out three months ago or six months ago. It's still around. Right, <laughs> you know? of course. Because, yeah. like, you know, the, the publisher is only going to, you know, if they, if they market it at all, they're only going to do it until the next book comes out you know, um, from somebody else. So it's like, you know, they're, they're kind of off the, the Lucas Mangum train in a few weeks. And so it's like, but I'm still there. So I've got to be like, okay, well, it's great that so-and-so's book came out, but mine's still here, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't died yet. Uh, so t tell us, uh, you know, if you could kind of, if you could give, how would I frame this? If you could kind of give like, what would be some things to think about, you know, someone's thinking about small press and t t talk us through a little bit of your experience with it, kind of 
what you did well, what you stunk at, what you, what you've gotten better at is like, if I'm, if I'm going to approach a small press, what should I be thinking about? You know, I got this book in hand you know, mm -hmm. it's in the genre that the small press wants. Uh, at least that's what they say. They're accepting queries. You know, what, what should I be thinking about? Yeah. So, um, there's, I can, I can give you like a few things. So one um, major thing is uh, to keep in mind is a lot of the small presses tend to be run by, you know, each of them tends to be run by like maybe one person, uh, you know, two or three at the most. And so, you know, give a little grace there, be patient when you send your book out and, um, you know, um, you know, keep in mind that these are people who not only are, you know, running this on their own, they probably also have a job, you know, they're probably not making, you know, a living off of this. And so it's like, okay, so, you know, kind of understand that these people have lives and, you know, they're, they're not at your beck and call. Um, and then um, another thing I would recommend is, you know, even though they, uh, they do, um, some of them will do like a pretty decent line edit. Um, I would make sure, and, and they'll do some proofreading as well. I would make sure before you submit the book that it's, relatively clean just because like um it's they, they just don't have the staffing to do like you know something like a content edit or, or um, would do um and so that's a that's a big thing and then um yeah i don't know just uh just be nice uh you know <laughs> go to cons and try to meet these people because uh i mean chances are you know if you have the same interests you know i mean you probably have a book that they might want you know mm -hmm. So what do you, like, we're going to get into some craft questions. I might as well, because that's a good segue. Uh, you mentioned, you know, kind of sending them, a very, you know, as clean a manuscript as you can. So talk us through what, what's kind of your process to get it as clean as you can. Like once you feel like it's in a good, good place, what does that look yeah, like? Yeah. So, um, I don't really do a vomit draft anymore. Like I tend to, um, even though I, I still think I, t I tend to write pretty fast. I, I tend to, uh, think a lot about each sentence. You know, cause I, I mean, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to have to go back, you know, a million times. Like if I don't have to, you know, it's like, I'd like to be able to, you know, um, have something that's at least workable. Um, and, uh, you know, and so, you know, I'll be, I'll be pretty meticulous as I'm going. Um, and I'll try to like always have the ending in mind so I don't get too far off track. Um, and uh, I try to uh, not not really start until I have the uh, the first line because I think the first line can really set the tone and the pace and everything. Um, if it's, I mean, it doesn't even have to be like something super hooky. It can just be something that you know, um, yeah, just kind of sets the stage. And uh, so I, I think a lot about that and try to use that as a way to um, open the door in a lot of ways. And so. So once I'm in that zone, like I can think about, you know, the next sentence and, I, and the next sentence and the next sentence, but I can think about it pretty quickly and still, you know, have a relatively clean sentence. And then I also kind of edit as I go, like I'll, you know, when I start the next day, I, I'll, I'll go back and, and read what I have and fix anything that I find seems clunky or, or is an outright error. No, that, this, you're, you're really onto something. And again, I, you mentioned to me, like, you know, one of the things I don't want to give advice and say, you know, thus saith the Lord, this is the only right, way right. to do this. Um, but, you know, a lot of professional writers, uh, you know, that pr produce a lot of work, they, they do kind of edit as they go. And oh. uh, that, that actually was a big game changer for me. Like for years, I did the vomit draft. And then I just was so overwhelmed with just the messiness and the just, it was so out of 
just control that I, I just kind of gave up and, you know, never finished my first novel till, I mean, this was now it's like seven years ago, but, but before that, like it was just, you know, it's just, it's just too much. And so I, I think there is something about that kind of coming back to the work, cleaning it up a little bit as you go. Um, Dean Koontz is probably one of the most unique guy. If you ever heard about his process, I mean, he literally writes every page until it's done. So he doesn't wow. even move on to the next page. So, but he's done. Like it's one draft, like he's, yeah. you know, a 400 page book. It's done. It's exactly the way he wants it. It takes a while, but yeah, it's, it's clean. Cause he's just the same thing. He's like, I don't want to come back to it. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, just, I just heard, you know, Joe R. Lansdale, if you're familiar with his work, I mean, he, oh, yeah. he wrote oh, yeah. something on Facebook recently. He's just like, here's how I do it. And I, I write one draft, but it ends up being multiple drafts in the sense that you're editing constantly right. you're coming back to it. You're cleaning it up. So it's not like you just write and go, Oh, that's fine. Yeah, um, but it's not, yeah, exactly. It's not like you, you vomited out this thing and then you have yeah. to like go back and like fix it from the beginning. Yeah. That's, that's just, I mean, I did that with flesh and fire. I did something like 10 passes on it mm-hmm. and I, I don't ever want to do that. again. <laughs> so I had to learn how to like edit as I go instead. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm working on this one novel, and I I sent a Kindle file to my my uh, my ebook reader just to read it through to see where I was at, and I was amazed how clean it was. And I had I hadn't touched it in a while, and in a few weeks, and I needed to get back to it and kind of finish it up. And I was just like, wow, this is so much cleaner than past years where I would just be like, oh my gosh, I just want to shoot myself. Like, why well, waste the time? Might as well start over. Yeah, um, you know, it's so bad. Uh, you know, Dean Wesley Smith, if you're familiar with his work too, he does a lot of that. Um, you know, just you kinda... know, I'm more familiar with his uh, blogging than his actual fiction. Like yeah. uh, he, he does a lot of, um, you know, he talks a lot about speed writing and, 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 st- and uh, you know, kind of like, I don't know, I, I think he calls it pulp speed. Pulp speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I found that very inspirational. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting about him is, you know, he talks about how, the problem when we write a novel, especially if versus like a novella or a short story is you can't hold a novel in your head, like the whole no. thing, like that's the problem. And so by doing this method of kind of, you know, editing as you go, it's like you're able to actually hold a lot more of the novel in your head and kind of know where the story is. Yeah. So you don't get lost in the weeds. Cause it's like, yeah, if you're at, you know, word 70,000 and you're thinking about <laughs> what happened at word, you know, a hundred, I'm like, I don't know. You know? Right. So but it's like, as you kind of go, you just kind of stay wrapped up in the story. So uh, but I like that. So, so those listening, you know, try to get those drafts as clean as possible. Um, you know, even if you could find a proofreader, I would suggest that even if it's a few bucks just to make yeah. it clean as, as, as possible because editors don't want to, you know, <laughs> have a, a first draft in their hands. It just kind of takes them out of the game. And they're probably not going to accept it anyways. Um, right. so, so let's, let's talk a little bit about just your own, your own craft, your own, um, you know, sure. writing, publishing, uh, business and, and the way you do it is, you know, how do you find time to write? What does that look like for you? Um, are you kind of go with the seat of your pants? Are you like, I write every day, you know, how, yeah, how do you, how? I, I tend to, um, I tend to write every day. Um, now it doesn't necessarily mean I'm working on my novel every day. Sometimes, you know, uh, that means I have to, you know, if I have a, you know, I'm, I, I recently went back to school. I should be graduating soon, you know, mm-hmm. at 35, but anyway, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've got these, uh, so like if I, if, if I have a paper due, I mean, that's, that's what I'm going to be working on that day or the next day, you know? Um, but what I, what I find works the best for me is if I'm either, um, if I write early in the morning, um, before, um, my toddler gets up, um, before my wife gets up, that tends to be a really, um, productive time for me because, um, not only is no one else around, um, 
I haven't woken up enough to get in my own way. And um, that can be a difficult thing. I mean, I, I, I tend not to um, uh, read craft books too much for the, for this very same reason. Cause I, I they tend to make me um, overthink what I'm doing and then I just end up never finishing anything. So now it's just like, okay, I'm going to start really early, you know, where I'm, when I'm, when I'm too, uh, you know, too, uh, you know, tired to get in my own way and then, you know, just go until, you know, the kid wakes up and then take care of him. And then, you know, I'll take care of daily stuff. And, and, um, uh, and then like, you know, at night, sometimes I'll, I'll write a little too. If I, uh, if I feel, if I didn't get that early morning stuff, if I didn't get those early morning pages in. Um, and then if I have a day where I'm not, where I don't have a lot going on, you know, which is rare, but if, if, if I, if I do have one of those days, what I'll do is I'll keep my, uh, laptop open and I'll just like, you know, as I'm cleaning the house, uh, like I'll just like sit down and write a couple of sentences, get up and keep doing the dishes or whatever. <laughs> well, I think that, man, what you're saying is just really, it sounds counterintuitive, but I love that. It's like, you're kind of fighting the, the self doubt almost. It's like, you know, I'm sure. so tired or I've just woke up, just go, don't let your brain get engaged. Yeah. Don't think about how terrible this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that with the, the laptop, I actually do very something very similar as I just, just by having that manuscript open, it's like, yeah, throughout the day I can just, you know, get in a few hundred words or, and it's yeah, like, no, ex- no excuse. It's right in your face. It's like, okay, there it is. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can add some words if you want, you know, yep. um, but no, that, that's good. And it's like kind of out of sight, out of mind. Um, really good stuff there. Now you mentioned a couple other things I thought were really interesting. You, you said you have some unique things of kind of how you plot stories. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm also going to ask you a question about, and you can just be thinking about it as, you, as you're into this one, but kind of dealing with self doubt a little bit. You mentioned that in an email. Sure. Um, so yeah, talk a little about that. Just kind of like, where do you get like you're plotting your ideas or, or, you know, the kind of books you want to write? Yeah. So um, I get them from a few places, um, you know, uh, but like uh, a lot of times, like I'll, I'll, I'll use like images from dreams or like, um, or, uh, you know, I'll, if I read something that I just really like the style of it, I'll be like, okay, I want to write a story in that style. And, um, and then I'll, I'll try to start thinking about it. Um, if I really get stuck on plotting though, I will break out, um, tarot cards and, uh, and I will do, um, now there's, there's a lot of, uh, literature out there for, you know, tarot for writers. Um, uh, but but what I do is I, I take a uh, a six card spread and I actually did one before uh, the podcast because I wanted to you know kind of give an example um, and uh, basically what I'll do is the top card is the main character um, the two below that are the villain and the sidekick and then below that is the A story and the B story you know like your plot and subplot I guess mm-hmm. and then the bottom card is the overall theme. So what I came up with was for the, um, you know, for the main character, I drew the King of Wands. And uh, according to the website, Labyrinthos, uh, the meaning of that is like, you know, like a big picture leader overcoming challenges type. So I was like, okay, um, I, I immediately thought either detective or military officer mm-hmm. um, for that. And then for the villain, I drew the Ten of Swords, which is failure, collapse, defeat. And so I thought of a, um, a hitman taking one last big job to get out of poverty. And um, for the sidekick, I drew the higher fan, which is tradition, conformity, morality, and ethics. So I was like, okay, so what if the main character's Watson is like this really by the book guy, except maybe at the end, he has to break, bend the rules a little to uh, help out the hero. 
Um, the A story was the Six of Swords, which is like transition, leaving behind, uh, moving on. And I thought, okay, well, what if the main character is about to uh, retire um, as well? And um, the B story, I drew the Seven of Swords, which is deception, trickery, tactics, and strategy. And I thought, okay, so what if one of the main character's uh, allies or, or is higher up is corrupt in some way? And then for theme, um, I drew the King of Pentacles, which is abundance, prosperity, and security. And I figured, you know, both the hero and the villain could want this, but in very different ways. And so it's kind of your basic thriller plot, uh, which is kind mm -hmm. of interesting that, that it happened that way. But uh, I mean, you know, it was, it only took me like five minutes. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, that's really good. I, I think that's really creative. I mean, that anything you can do to kind of get your head, you know, wrapped around just getting those big, you know, chunks of ideas sure. on, on the, you know, cause I'm, I'm kind of that weird. Like I don't, I don't like huge detailed outlines because I, I feel like I end up not using them anyways. Same. Um, and then it's always like the excuse to, I'd rather be outlining than actually writing. Um, yeah. and if, you know, until I finish an outline, then maybe I'll do something. But, um, you know, it, it sounds like, uh, I don't know if you heard Stephen Pressfield, he has kind of the one page method where he kind of just to get his start, his story going, he's like, I have to fit the story on this just one piece of notebook paper. And he just kind of hashes out, you know, like you said, kind of main characters, a couple of things, you know, whatever it is. And then he just goes for it. And and I think that's important, you know, because there is so much self-doubt and so much, you know, problems and ways we tell ourselves like, well, just the outline's not good enough yet. When it gets good, then I can actually start writing the book. And, and it's amazing how that, that – I guess you would say he maybe like just keeps expanding it, right? Because essentially yeah. he has like this, you know, little piece of flash fiction or sudden fiction, right? And then it's mm -hmm. just – he kind of just keeps, you know, adding detail, I guess. Yeah, just kind of, and that's kind of what, you know, I guess what most of our stories probably end up being too. It's like a seed of an idea that grows and grows and grows. Um, now, tell us a little bit about, you You mentioned just, you know, for you, like I just mentioned it too, but self-doubt, you know, what do you, what do you do when you're just like, man, I, I don't, why am I doing this? You know, I got, I got school, I got kids, I got family, yeah. you know, this is horrible, you know, um, I mean, we all go through it. So what, what helps you? So, uh, about a year ago, I, I didn't write for like six months. It was really, because um, like I just, I was just really not feeling it. I, and I, I hadn't finished a piece since my, since my son had been born. And I was just like, man, maybe I'm just, maybe this is just past me, you know, like, and, uh, mm -hmm. and I, uh, I took a lot of time off. And by doing that, I ended up realizing in a pretty dramatic way that um, I really, don't want to live without writing so I was just like and so now it's like it's almost like this thing that like I really I haven't been able, I haven't really doubted myself since then like it was like being away from it kind of rekindled the romance in this mm. huge way you know um so yeah take a few days off and uh, and see how you feel I don't know <laughs> yeah. well and it sounds like that's you know the the pull that was it was still there even taking time off it's like yeah you know, you're thinking about writing, you're going, why am I not writing? I mean, that that's always a good sign. You know, if you're like, you know, why am I not doing this? Is it just, mm -hmm. don't think I, I should be doing it or it's a waste of time or voices yeah. in my head or whatever. Um, no, that's, that's great. T taking time off, not enough writers. I mean, I know we talk about being prolific, but you know, I always talk about taking breaks too, whether that's, mm -hmm. you know, once a week, you know, build that into your, your schedule, you know, whether that's longer term, you build a few weeks here and there because you just need that. And, yeah. uh, I think you come back stronger. I think you come back more motivated, not less. You kind mm -hmm. of fill that creative well. You know, go read a bunch of good books. Go watch some good movies. No, know. for sure, for sure. I mean, after that, that 
ridiculously long break. I wrote something like 200,000 words in four months. Like it was crazy. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Now, not all of these were good words. But sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so dig in a little bit, like what's been, you know, you've talked about, you know, your small press, you have to do some of your own marketing. Let's talk a little bit about that. It's kind of on the marketing business end. Like what's been kind of helpful for you? How have you been getting the word out? What's effective? What's not? What's, what's kind of been your, your sweet spot, if you will? Yeah. So, um, I've been, uh, I've been pretty fortunate in, in that, like I, I'm, I'm pretty tuned into the, uh, you know, the writing podcast scene, you know, I, um, I recently visited Pennsylvania and, uh, and, uh, ended up appearing on Bri on the horror show with Brian Keene. Okay. And, um, and I did, uh, um, you know, Bizong and I mean, you know, and I, and you know, your show, I think I discovered from the project entertainment network as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, just kind of, you know, just being on the lookout for, you know, you know, any channel possible. And then also like, you know, I was, you know, as I mentioned, I went back to school. It's like, I mean, I try to try to like listen for those opportunities, you know, for people who might be interested in what I'm reading. You know, I mean, if somebody says that they like horror, I'll be like, Oh, well, you know, um, I mean, I won't, you know, start off with the pitch, but I'll probably you know, <laughs> talk, talk to them about movies a little bit and, you know, and be like, yeah, you know, and then as a writer myself, blah, blah, blah. Oh, mm -hmm. here's some of my books, you know, and <laughs> I just, I just happen to have a stack of books. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in my car. Yeah. Come out to my car. I'm a yeah. horror writer. Don't worry. Yeah, right. That's not creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, no, that's good. I, I think I'm hearing what I'm hearing more and more like yourself is just that face to face, you know, you yeah. mentioned earlier too, like cons and, and podcasts and, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, going to have a, a book signing at like a half price books in my town. And cool. you know, it's like, it's really easy to do. I mean, it's just like, Hey, I'm a local author and I, I got some books. I'd love to sell them from 12 to two on a Saturday. And they're like, great, come on down. You know, it's like, yeah. we don't, we don't think that's possible, but it really is. Um, yeah. And you could hook a reader for life, you know. I mean, that's the that's the hope, right? You build build. Yeah, I had the first um, the first experience of a uh, of somebody being uh, nervous to meet me back in August at a con, and I was just like, really? So yeah, I hear that, but it's like true. I mean, he's like a, he's a lifetime reader, you know. But it was it was it was just a weird surreal sure. experience, you know. <laughs> But I think, but I think on the other side of that, you know, when you go to like cons and stuff is like you meet other authors and go like, oh, they're just like me. Like, yeah. you know, like you, yeah. I need that as a, as a writer be like, are they these mythical creatures that have some superpowers that I don't have? And then sure. you, and then you hang out and go like, oh yeah, they struggle with their marriage and their kids and their life and their health, just like me and, you know, and writing and self, self doubt and all that stuff. You're like, oh yeah, we're all in this together. This is great. You know, um, you know, they're, they're not, uh, you know, Stephen King always says, you know, writers are kind of supposed to be the, you know, secret agents of the arts because, you know, you don't, I mean, how many authors could we pick out in a lineup? I mean, not many. Oh, for sure. Um, but he's like, yeah, the other actors obviously know who they are and those kinds of things, mm -hmm. but you know, we, we go under the radar. So, um, yeah. Anything else that you would, you would add in just as far as, you know, kind of building an audience, building a tribe, um, marketing on that, that score? You know, I think, um, a really huge thing that's kind of, um, uh, you know, ended up uh, bearing fruit for me was um, kind of just sticking around. As weird as that sounds, you know, <laughs> just uh, you know, uh, you know, year after year, having something else out, you know, and people start to catch on and be like, "Oh, yeah. he's still here. He must be good." <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right. 
No, there, man, there is something to that. That I mean, that, guys that I have on that are and gals that are long-term writers. I mean, that's 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 the story. It's like I've hung around for 20, 30, 40 years. Like, yep. it doesn't mean I have a bestseller every year, but I'm just I've been around. I put out work, and for people sure. find me. All right, your your digital bookshelf, if you will, gets bigger and bigger. Um, and that's that's huge because I, I can tell you when I started in 2000, actually publishing books like 2012. Yeah. I mean, I can name, I can name you a dozen people that are no longer that had great success early on yeah. and they just fizzled out, you know, and for a variety of reasons, um, you know, are looking for that gold rush, you know, Kindle gold rush at the beginning. For sure. For um, sure. But, you know, they're nowhere to be found. And I think it's just, yeah, just kind of plodding along, staying mm-hmm. consistent and just doing the work and, and you'll be amazed what, what could happen. That's really, really good uh, insight there. Um, so l- let me ask you this. And I don't know if this fits. I want to make sure because I, I, I think when I was doing some research, um, now you predominantly you predominantly write in horror. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I would say that's probably a fair, fair assessment. <laughs> okay. Um, now within that, like you, you kind of write maybe in kind of subgenres of that or a little bit different. Is there? Yeah. Uh, again, I, I don't I don't write predominantly horror or anything. Um, is there you know with your fan base and audience like is horror just horror and there's there's subgenres that's fine or do you have to kind of help people understand like this is this and this is that. I mean, when you, yeah, you kind of I mean, cross genre a little bit. Yeah. So there's definitely, um, you know, horror definitely has its, um, you know, uh, you know, subgenres and people who kind of stick to those subgenres. I mean, there's a, there's this, there's this one publisher, uh, severed press that like almost exclusively publishes, uh, sea monster books and they have this wide readership. And if, I haven't published with them yet, but I've been, I've been told that if I publish with them, like, like my book will do very well, but the people won't buy any of my other books, like, <laughs> because they're just not interested that, you know, that's, um, but that being said, otherwise, um, I, other than the people who are devoted to, you know, particular subgenres, your average horror reader to me, um, I mean, they seem to be pretty, um, widely read and they seem to be pretty, um, accepting of authors, you know, trying new things, you know, um, it's, uh, they, they seem to like, like when you kind of, you know, mix, mix up, mix, either mix subgenres or maybe write a horror novel in a style that isn't necessarily, um, you know, seen in horror, you know, um, and they tend to kind of be like, oh, wow, that was cool. You know, you did that thing and I never expected it, expected anybody to do it that way. And, I don't know. That seems to get over with people. Hmm. That's interesting. So uh, would you say, and again, you, you, you don't have to answer this or maybe you can't answer it or, uh, you know, is there any desire to write outside of horror and like going kind of cross genre and just saying, you know, this I'm, I'm Lucas and I write stories and I write all over the place or is horror just kind of your, your, you know, um, I do tend to tell people that I write, you know, I mean, and I actually, I learned this from Joe Lansdale. Like he says, you know, I don't, write uh, the genre I write in is Joe Lansdale, you know, so I, I try to tell people, you know, I write in Lucas Mang, you know, <laughs> books. Um, yeah. and, and yeah, I mean, I've, I have a few uh, literary short stories that I'm, um, shopping right now to various publishers. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have a romance novel that I'm, uh, I'm going to be putting out in July. Um, I am going to be using a pseudonym just because I don't want I don't want people who read the romance to find, you know, gods of the dark web or Saint Sadist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think that might be bad. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no. So I do enjoy, um, you know, uh, playing in other genres because I mean, I don't just 
read horror. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, by that logic, I feel like, why should I just write horror? I, you know. Now, is there, uh, can you give us some advice just on your, I mean, obviously you're kind of new to this in the sense of, you sure. know, trying a new thing, but you know, what would you tell an author that it's like, you know what, I really am kind of a genre. I am a Joe R. Lansdale. It's like, I just tell Joe R. Lansdale stories, whatever that may be. And it fits all over the place. You know, as far as just marketing and, you know, okay, I'm going to write this romance, but you might have read my horror stuff. What do I do? Um, what, what are ways that maybe we could, would be the helpful ways to say like, you know, here's my stuff, but you might not like this. You might not like that. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, uh, I would, you know, kind of, uh, maybe if they liked a certain thing, you know, maybe point them in the direction of titles that are more like that, that one piece. Um, or, or, you know, um, on the other side of that, just say, you know, um, yeah, I wrote this romance, you know, my alter ego wrote it or whatever. You might, <laughs> you might want to check it out just for kicks, you know, um, and they might find that, you know, it's well-written or something and, and they decide, Hey, you know what? I still, I still see Lucas in this, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and that may, uh, that may end up doing well with them, you know? Yeah. You know what? I, I, I started to wonder too, if like, if, if there's a lot of advice, you know, don't ever write outside of the genre you write in. If you really want to build a career, then, you know, don't sure. ever, you know, try anything else. But, you know, it's funny, like, again, maybe they're not good examples because they've sold hundreds of millions of books, but, mm -hmm. you know, Stephen King's of the world and, you know, John Grisham, like John Grisham, like people don't realize, like he doesn't just write legal thrillers. Right. Um, you know, he's written kids books. He's written, you know, Baseball books. Yeah, baseball <laughs> books. He's written nonfiction. He's, you know, Stephen King too. He's written some nonfiction writing books. He's done, you know, literary, yeah. almost literary type stuff and um, horror, you, you name it. Yeah, I wonder if if there is just that sense of, you know, this is the stories that I tell, and and you may like, you may like it, you may not, but um, right. but we we come to Lucas, you know, Mangum because we like his storytelling, and it could be romance or it could be horror, it could be literary, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe there's not as much fear. I, I just think in our landscape, and then again, this is just totally subjective, not based on any data, mm -hmm. but, um, but, but it's just, you know, people can find things, you know, that they want to find. I mean, every yeah. day I, I meet someone that's like, Hey, have you watched the show? I'm like, what show is that? Right? <laughs> um, and yet there's, there's an audience for it. There's, there's somebody that likes it. There's, you know, right. it's a few thousand people, you know, as opposed to millions, but um, but I think with books too, it's like there, there, there's this sense of like, I don't think that that's that one that you have to be one thing, you know, I think no. you can just be a storyteller and that's okay. Um, you know, maybe in days past it was like, yeah, if you want to sell millions of books and you have to be just the romance yeah. author, just the thriller author, author, legal thriller, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, well, I think, um, you know, it's important to, uh, maybe be upfront with people about, you know, um, you know, uh, how wide your, um, uh, you know, how wide your uh, reach is as far as genre goes. Because, I mean, if you look at Stephen King, um, you know, Night Shift, his first collection, um, it wasn't, you know, obviously it wasn't the first book he put out, but it was his first collection. And, um, I mean, man, there's there's horror in there, there's sci-fi in there, there's literary in there, there's crime in there. I, I mean, so it's like it kind of, you can't look at Stephen King and be like, you lied to us, you said you were only going to write this kind of thing, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes if like some of those big name guys, if they were kind of forced into, you know, you can only write this cause this is what's selling, you know, bazillions sure. of books, you know, and you know, you can't write Carrie and then go write, you know, Shawshank Redemption or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, I, mean, I heard, I heard the, the lore, or I don't think it's, I think it's fact is, you know, when King started writing under Bauckham, I think it's Bauckham, is that, is that Richard Bauckham? Bachman. Yeah. Bachman. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's because he, he, wa- he had all these books he wanted to write, but he, he'd write them so fast they wouldn't publish them. Yeah. And so he's like, well, I have to go under a pen name because I got more than one book a year in me. So what are we going to mm-hmm. do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, that can, that can happen too. But, you know, I think with Indian small press, I think that's a different day on that. But um, that's here or there. Um, so, uh, Lucas, this has been, been uh, such a great conversation. And one of the big questions I love to ask our guests is if you were to have a live microphone uh, that was wired to the universe and uh, all your bits of wisdom and advice were put in a vault somewhere, but you could speak to aspiring beginning writers that were just starting out or maybe they only have a few books in them so far, what would be like one to three kind of writerly truths that you'd want to share with them uh, as they are kind of getting started in their uh, writing journey? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked. I actually uh, tweeted what I wanted to say a few days ago, you know, not even thinking you would ask me this question. But uh, basically, um, I said something to the effect of there's there's a lot of uh, writing advice out there, but um, uh, the three things that tend to stay, you know, um, true across the board is, you know, just read a lot, write a lot, and be patient as hell. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, that seems to be that seems to be the one that's the consistent one, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Yeah. That, that, you know, it's funny that uh, I was mentioning earlier about Dean Wesley Smith. They actually have a teaching, um, they do some teaching online and stuff and Mm -hmm. actually they have a patience workshop, which is really interesting um, on just this idea. Like you got to be patient and it's not, you know, things don't just happen overnight and, you got to read and write and do and do the work, right? No, that's really great, great, Lucas. I really appreciate you sharing that. I'm gonna definitely put that in the in the show notes. And uh, before we go, two things: what are you working on right now, and maybe have coming out soon, or just have come out, and then also where can people find you? Yeah, so um, I uh, I'm working on a book called Island of Teeth right now. It is a um, it's kind of like my ode to uh, Jules Verne and um, uh, you know, a creature effects artist, Ray Harryhausen, uh, kind of a mysterious island, you know, with sea monsters and kaiju and lizard people. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it's, um, I guess you could say it's kind of lighter fare than what I normally do, um, which it tends to be like really dark and psychological, but this, this, this is a lot more fun, or at least I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, recently I had, I had three books come out earlier this year, um, and uh, one was the collection Engines of Ruin, which has everything from horror to crime to just plain weird, um, and uh, I had um, a novella called We Are the Accused, which is kind of my take on the small town horror novel, um, only it kind of gets pretty uh, crazy and psychedelic towards the end, and, uh, and then I had... Um, Saint Sadist come out through uh, Grindhouse Press, which was my um, it was my attempt at blending kind of the extreme horror with kind of the literary or elevated um, kind of uh, approach. Um, I'll leave it up to you whether or not I succeeded, though. <laughs> okay, well that's great. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff. Go check out Lucas's work and uh, put your oh. all your inf- information in the show notes and go from there. Yeah. Well, well, thanks, Lucas, for coming on the show. You really helped a lot of people today and uh, all the best with you. And uh, yes, stay in touch. We'll have you on again. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Well, there you have it. Prolific Writer Nation, Lucas Mangum. So thankful for him coming on the show. I'll put his all his information in the show notes. Go check out some of his books. Um, He is a, a, a good writer and a wise writer and offered some great advice. 
uh, especially when we think of small press. Um, there's a lot of great small presses out there, uh, very genre specific. Go check some of those out. A lot of websites that have kind of listings of, uh, I know duotrope.com uh, is, a, is a website you can find publishers. And I, I know I've submitted some work uh, in different, some different publishers through that website. There's a ton of them. And uh, yeah, to take the chance and, and see what that's like. Um, and do what, what Lu- Lucas has been doing. And, uh, and, I, and I just love his, his perspective of, of reading and writing widely and just how that is so important for us to have in our arsenal, to have in our toolbox, uh, to just develop as, as humans and also just as writers, as creators, um, that we shouldn't be as scared of, of you know, reading things outside of our genre or trying to write in a different style and just really pushing ourselves in that way. So thank you, Lucas, for your writerly wisdom. Uh, and hey, if you uh, get a chance, leave a rating or review on iTunes before you go. Uh, maybe you're, as you're thinking about this, I'll put that in the show notes. It really helps us get the show out into the world. Um, also, if you'd like to support this show and the other shows on the Project Entertainment Network, we have a Patreon page where you can get some some cool stuff and uh, some stories and other swag. And so I'll put that in the show notes as well. And also, if you want to stay updated on latest podcast episodes and articles and the course I mentioned sign up for the VIP list and I'd love to stay in touch with you that way. I've been so thankful for the hundreds of people that have signed up and uh, able to connect with them and stay in touch and, uh, and learn and grow together. So um, check that on out. I'll put that in the show notes. Hey, this is Ryan J. Pelton from the Prolific Writer Podcast. So glad that you stopped by. But before I go, I have one more thing I need to tell you, and that is go get those words on the page and I'll talk to you real, real soon. Join us each Wednesday on the Mondo Method Podcast, brought to you by Project Entertainment Network. The Mondo Method Podcast features authors Armand Rosamilia and Chuck Buddha as they discuss the writing process from both the veteran and the novice perspectives. Each episode ends with a segment called Marketing Morsels, where expert publicist Aaron Sweet Almahari teaches everyone how to promote their work and sell more books. Check us out on the Mondo Method Podcast on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 